Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Supreme Court decisions on abortion, guns, school prayer uh, have been met with a lot of anger, a lot of threats of violence, uh, and actual violence against people and property. So the question then becomes, how do we cool things down in America? One answer that might surprise you might be found in federalism. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, we often talk about federalism on this program. I know that's a a rarity in America today, but I do think it's an answer to a lot of the challenges that we face and a way to cool the temperature down uh, in terms of the rhetoric and actually get to the best outcomes and solutions. J.D. Tuchilli is a contributing editor at Reason, reason reason.com, and uh, is back on the program today. J.D., appreciate your perspective, and uh, I love it when anybody has a title that includes the word world federalism in it <laughs> so as you look at all of this uh, tell us about what uh, what federalism can do uh, to kind of simmer things down just a little bit here in america well i mean obviously this country is um a tense place has <laughs> been for a while and the tensions are rising um recent supreme court decisions just kind of followed on uh, growing political strife in the country and we've seen flurry of, of political violence And there is no clear way to get people who don't like each other, who fundamentally disagree with each other on major values, major political positions to get along with each other. If you're going to if you're simply going to alternate who's in power and shoving their rules down the other side's throats. Um, But if we're going to hold together, we're going to have a peaceful country. I think the solution is to come through federalism, devolution of power. Um, And it doesn't even have to stop at the state level. You can bring it down. I mean, the states now are relatively huge compared to the the size of the country at the founding. Uh, Bring it down as close to the locality as it can. But at the very least, don't concentrate all the decision-making at the highest possible level, because that maximizes the number of people who are going to resent the rules and values that are being thrust upon them. Devolve that power down. Um, You know, and the example right now, of course, is with the big abortion decision last week. Okay, conservatives, you know, won the big abortion case. Roe v. Wade was overturned. Casey was overturned. Um, I think conservatives then should be serious about 
um, just living, you know, living with the new rules at the state level, at least. Don't try to impose bans on states that are very clearly homes to majorities that favor uh, choice on abortion so that people then have choices. You know, people can go across the border and, and, and live in a different regime. You can vote your feet either permanently or temporarily um, on that issue as then on so many others. If we can de-escalate de- tensions then by devolving decision-making down to the lower levels, you know, as close to the locality as possible, I think we can lower tensions reduce the level of violence in the country, which has to be an important goal at this point, and uh, maybe even find a way to live with each other. Uh, I think that's uh, so vital. It's always interesting to me that uh, the the party out of power seems to suddenly find religion in in, uh, federalism uh, as they're having a hard time uh, moving things through. But one of the things that you pointed out in uh, your piece that uh, I think just deserves a a deep dive uh, is when we have to get past this idea that whoever the other side may be, uh, that they are you know, somehow this clear and present danger to democracy, the republic, or the, the you know, existence of life as we know it. Uh, how, do we, how do we get beyond that phase that we seem to be in as a country? Yeah, and that is a huge problem, is that for years we've seen polls escalate in the kind of language people use about each other. Uh, people went from being opponents on political policies and issues to actually considering each other to be threats to the republic, clear and present danger, enemies. I mean, those are actual quotes from some of these poll answers when they ask people, how do you think about people on the other side of the partisan divide? Um, I think that we did this to ourselves by raising the stakes, uh, having so much uh, having the, basically having the government involved in so many areas of our lives, uh, so many important areas of our lives, having those decisions made at the highest level, the federal government, in a country of hundreds of millions of people with diverse values and preferences. And if you have one decision, one value foisted from the top down on a country of 330 million people, inevitably a large number of them are going to be very resentful of that if it's wildly divergent from the way that they want to live. That was a mistake. It was an ongoing mistake. We played these triumphalist games. You know, what, you know elections have consequences. Well, yeah, they have consequences. But turning the electoral system into a winner-take-all game devalues the electoral system to the point where people stop wanting to abide by it. That's not a good idea. This, again, I mean, lower the tensions. My personal preference would be to get the government involved in a lot less of our lives overall. I don't care what level it's at. But if it's going to be involved at all, I would devolve that power further down. The closer you get to people, the more likely you're going to be at a, at a level where people can at least live with kind of a common set of values. But also, when you devolve it, it's a lot easier to move from town to town or county to county or state to state than it is to move from country to country. And if you really don't like the way things are going where you live and it's a town, okay, you pick up and you move to the next town. Maybe that doesn't even affect your business. But if everything is, is decided at the federal level, then it becomes a high-stakes, winner-takes-all game. And we get these poll results about how much people hate each other, and also growing poll results indicating that they're willing to use violence against each other. I didn't even yeah. cite this in my piece because it came out about the same time. But there's a new poll came out just earlier this month saying that about a third of young Americans, between 30 and 40 percent, actually approve of assassinating politicians on the other side of the political divide. Um, I think we need to take a huge step back from that. 
something needs to uh, defuse these tensions because uh, we don't want to move further down that path and uh, bury something like, um, even if we don't get into the civil war scenarios that people talk about, something like Italy in the 1970s where there was bombings and assassinations on a daily basis. We really need to avoid that kind of a fate and find a way to deal with our, threat, you know, our tensions with each other, not just by foisting decisions on each other, but by learning how uh, we can leave our neighbors to live by their own rules so we can live by our own. Yeah, and again, I think federalism really is that uh, a, a crucial part of that answer. As you do get it closer uh, to that local level, uh, it, one, it's better, it's more accountable. You can really judge outcomes, uh, and people can then, as you said, vote with their votes and vote with their feet when necessary uh, and moving that along. Uh, J.D., before I let you go, uh, just a last thought. Uh, as you look at how you balance that in terms of the federalism and then also protecting some of those crucial civil liberties, those other inherent rights. Uh, what are some of the conversations we should be having in that space in terms of making sure we do get that right, that right balance, which should tone down the rhetoric? I think that we need to say that the federal government has a basic role to play at protecting fundamental civil liberties, Bill of Rights, and defending the borders. And I think we probably ought to agree that that's it. And it really doesn't go much beyond that. And it shouldn't go much beyond that, even though politicians want to aspire to something greater. And, yes, that means that the folks in the next county or the next state live differently than you. That's actually a feature, not a bug. And let's learn to accept that. Uh, great insight, as always. J.D. Tuchilli, contributing editor to Reason, Reason.com. And, uh, J.D., thanks for joining us today. Great stuff. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. All right, again, that's J.D. Tuchilli, and uh, just some wonderful insight there in terms of how do we turn the temperature down, and the way we turn the temperature down uh, is federalism is a big part of that solution, and recognizing that we can do it at the local level uh, much better, uh, this all-or-nothing, winner-take-all kind of approach uh, that we often feel uh, at the, uh, the national level because it's so big, so broad, so sweeping. Uh, getting it back to the local level is where we can really make the difference. All right, with that, we'll step aside for a quick commercial break. Stay with us on Inside Sources. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.